was Mark Twain that said, a banker's the guy that loans you his umbrella, but then wants it back when it starts raining. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to For Fintech's Sake, hosted by Zach Anderson Pettit. Zach is managing director of an accelerator called Fountain City Fintech and VP at MBKC Bank. For Fintech's Sake is a broad look at the world of fintech. Building the future of financial services requires deep understanding of both technology and finance. From the perspectives of founders, investors, and incumbents, we will explore the stories of people living at the intersection of finance and technology. All opinions expressed by Zach and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect those of MBKC Bank. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Welcome back to a special episode of For Fintech's Sake. I'm your host, Zach Anderson Pettit. This week is a special one, as it's the last week of Fountain City Fintech before Demo Day on October 15th, next Tuesday. If you listen to the past couple episodes, then you know that today is the third of five deal flow episodes, giving you a chance to meet the founders at Fountain City Fintech before they pitch on October 15th. Today, you'll get to meet Anthony Strike, the CEO of SteadyPay. SteadyPay is building a cash management platform for a portion of the market that really hasn't seen a ton of financial technology innovation until recently, specifically small businesses. And as you may be starting to get used to, we've got a co-host joining for another one of these episodes, NBKC Bank CEO Brian Unruh. He'll be poking, prodding, and as you heard before, occasionally quoting Mark Twain, as one does. With that, I hope you enjoy this episode of For Fintech's Sake. I'm an Ohio boy. I'm a Midwesterner. Being back here in Kansas City feels a little like home, but uh, I, I yeah, grew up in Ohio, moved to New York, met a California girl, and uh, ever since then I've I've been a Southern Californian. So that's where we're at now. Um, and I've I've been in a kind of every area of marketing, branding that you can think of in my career, and it's uh, ultimately ended up that plus my own personal financial experience led me where I am today. So let's talk a little bit more about that. What are what are kind of those pieces of that and the pieces of the financial experience that like brought you to the problem for steady pay and what and what was the initial thesis and we'll yeah, kind of talk sure. like pre-pivot since you've gone through a little bit of that recently. sure yeah so my wife and i were just sitting there doing credit card bills one day and wondering what the hell we spent all this money on again uh and we were paying off our bills in full every month and everything but it just always was so much more and she made the comment she said it's just so easy to swipe the card and worry about paying it off later i wish the money came out of our account right away and me being the practical husband said, well, you could just use the debit card, come on. And she said, no, we stayed for London for free on the hotel points last year. Remember, I don't wanna give that up. And, and long story short, that led me to want to find a way to bridge the gap between the, kind of the simplicity and responsibility of a debit card and, and the rewards and benefits of a credit card. Um, we did that for a while. We launched that product. There were a couple other things in the market that did something similar. Um, still think it's a really great solution but while we were doing that, uh, we, we had some of our customers start reaching out and asking us if they could use this for small business credit cards. And it was kind of surprising. We were wondering why that was. And, and we started talking to these customers and talking to other people we knew who'd run small businesses. Um, I had run, my wife and I started a company together and ran that small business. And we had some experience. And we started talking to these customers and found that they were grasping at like these personal finance apps as tools to help them deal with cash flow management and running their businesses. And the tools that are available to a small business owner right now to to manage your money, the most important thing in your company, the lifeblood, are like 
manual spreadsheets and whatever dashboards your bank gives you. It's just totally old, outdated, inefficient, frustrating processes that make this a chore that no small business operator wants to do. Um, and individuals have gotten a whole raft of apps out there that are helping them you know, be technologically advanced and intelligently manage their finances. Big companies get all kinds of love and attention from banks and treasury management services, but small business operators are kind of left behind with their little manual mm -hmm. spreadsheets. Uh, and so we saw a real opportunity to take what we'd built in optimizing these credit card payments and expand that to really broader cash management and credit management for uh, small businesses. The context is awesome, but I can't <laughs> help but give Brian a little bit of shit and um, <laughs> kind of go back to the portion of where, so you two actually met before, I, I don't think I met you until like a year after you two knew each other. Yeah. Um, so Brian, how many times a day do you pay off your credit card? Well, generally just once a day, but oh, it, is, day, it is every day. Wow. I'm a classic weirdo. So no, isn't no. isn't that kind of like initially why, like you heard about steady pay and you were like, oh, well, yeah, I heard him, me a button a day. I heard him pitch in San Jose, I think. Yeah, right. It? And I absolutely stalked him at the uh, happy hour <laughs> after. And I had to tell him my weird story of I'm like your perfect customer. It was, yeah, it was a good conversation. We, we met San Jose a year ago. We went in, we talked. Um, I went in wondering who the heck this NBKC bank was, but happy to talk to a bank. Um, and it's, it, honestly, it's a credit to Brian and what a, a good guy and good leader he is that I left that meeting realizing NBKC didn't even have a credit card business to speak of. So there wasn't much of a business partnership opportunity, but still feeling like the conversation was a success. Yeah, somehow nice Brian got not much of. Yeah, yeah. So he, somehow got that in my head that, that this this was a con this was a conversation that was a success and worth having. And, and within a few months, we we got into kind of some banking partner hell and figuring out what the right partner was. And and uh, I I called up Brian and Melissa and said, can you guys do this this and this for us? And like within six weeks, we were live. It was awesome. I love it. I love it. That was that was beautiful. I got to give Brian a little bit of shit, and you got to tell the story as to how I recovered. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fast forwarding now to the B two B pivot to the the kind of bigger pain point that you've glamped onto. Yeah. Um, what is step one? I mean, were you really able to just kind of take the the technology that you have and just realize that there's a bigger problem that that technology solves? Was it that easy? I mean, it wasn't that easy. We we had um, we had some technology stuff we had to change to kind of accommodate the way small business users use credit cards differently. We had some back end stuff, you know, with transfer limits and other regulatory things we had to navigate to, yeah. to make get it ready for that. But you know, it took us probably six weeks to get all that done. And and as of today, our our platform fully supports small business credit cards and, and keeping them paid off and cleared so that you you always have room on your credit card to maximize rewards and run your business there. Um, and that's just step one is this credit card optimization piece. But there's a lot more to cash management for small businesses than that. And, and that's where we're going. So before we get to like that big five-year vision kind of thing, let's talk a little bit about who you this is a big change, right? Like you, yeah. you raise money, you're going out there, you maybe realize that it's going to take you another 30 million to build a B2C brand uh -huh. and maybe, you know, maybe a little less over here, but either way, it's a big shift. You've already spent a lot of resources in one direction. Who are the groups and like the subsets of the market that are giving you the confidence just because of the sheer pain they're experiencing? Like where, yeah. where are you focusing first on this? Well, so one of the things that helped validate this pivot to us is while we were B2C, we were running our Facebook ads and one of our ads got served 
to a guy who's a sales rep for a Capital One Spark for the Capital One Spark card, which is is Capital One Small Business Two Percent Cashback card, and he reached out to us and said, "Hey, if you can pay you know pay these cards off more frequently and always keep room on them, if you can do that for businesses, I can refer clients to you." Um, and that really clicked to us and said, "Oh wow, this might be a real a real pain point that we could go solve." And uh, we've talked to a number of other reps for small business credit cards since, and and they've echoed that, that, that low credit limits on business credit cards is a real frustration. And, and we don't think that a credit limit needs to be a business limit. So these reps have pointed us in the direction of some specific industries where this is a problem. Restaurants is a good example, marketing agencies, construction companies. But um, we're really starting to talk to people in those spaces and get a sense for um, you know, what it would mean to be able to earn an extra couple thousand dollars in credit card rewards if you could put more through on your card. And that, that that's what we're confident in. It's not, it sounds like, I mean, the rewards is like this kind of fun piece of it. And, you know, but it also seems like this is a huge, even just the credit card piece is a huge cash management piece because of the low credit limit. And, and my big question is like, and maybe Brian, you have some insight to this too. Why, why are these credit limits so low for small business owners? I mean, Brian, if you have any insight on the underwriting process, I'm, you know, all ears, but uh, you know, from our perspective, it's really just a question of, of risk. I mean, small businesses are risky, and mm-hmm. that's the truth. It's not, yeah, it's just how it is. And especially restaurants is a good example. They have healthy cash flow if you're doing it right. And, you know, you can be running a great restaurant business, but the inherent risk of the restaurant industry is going to scare off underwriters, and they're going to say, well, we're just not going to expose ourselves too much there. So they're just going to put a lower limit on you. So if I'm a if I'm a restaurant owner, do I have a personal guarantee on that card? Probably, yeah. Unless you've been a client for a long time and you have a really high limit and you're cranking a lot through there and yeah. you're structured in a way that allows you to to not have personal guarantees. The vast majority of business credit cards out there have personal guarantees underlying them, which is something a lot of small business owners don't know. It's also going to ebb and flow with the economy. Mm. Yeah, with a lot of the dire news that has happened over the last month or so. Credit limits are being lowered. Yeah. So I think it was Mark Twain that said a banker's the guy that loans you his umbrella but then wants it back when it starts raining. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lot of truth yeah. to it. Well, one of the one of the card reps that we talked to was saying he's got clients that have maybe have a limit of three hundred thousand, they only ever spend one fifty in a month. And he said, I mean, you're gonna have more people with this problem in the future than less, because those those limits, they're gonna drop them. If if they're not being used, that's going away. That's fascinating. I mean, it's like a almost like a regulatory capture kind of thing of like just a lot of low hanging fruit there that exists because of just innate way that systems have worked over yeah. years and years and years. Well, uh, and I'll add that that unadvanced uh, balance you do have to account for that on your balance sheet from a risk perspective. So mm-hmm. if if we're a bank and given a line of credit or a credit card company that's that's given a credit line. Those unused balances are the worst thing in the world. You're not making any money off of them, but they do, you have to account for them on your balance sheet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm a small business owner. I've got this credit card. It's not necessarily, not working the way I need it to work. Is that in and of itself the long-term vision? What it, What is the, what's the five-year version of this? Because yeah. when I talk to you, there's a lot of spreadsheets. There's, yeah. I mean, it's just, it sounds like a, a spaghetti of low-hanging fruit in general. Yeah. Well, I mean, no, no small business owner started their company because they wanted to do spreadsheets because they wanted to do bill payments. They wanted to do that kind of thing. 
Um, and so really our, our five-year vision is that, um, you know, healthy cash flow is, is automated. It's something mm -hmm. that you don't have to, it's something you can't screw up for your business because you don't know what you're doing. That a, there's a system, a platform in place that, that does that work for you and keeps you as healthy as you can be given the business you're generating. Um, that's our five-year vision is that no, a small business owner doesn't have to sit down and do any more manual spreadsheets ever uh, to keep cash flow good. Now, the, the path to get there starts here with this credit card management, helping you generate an extra 2% on expenses. The next thing we're launching in just a few weeks is going to be something that lets you really optimize the cash on hand. Um, you know, there's a lot of 2 plus percent high yield accounts being thrown around right now at, at individual banks, you know, individual consumer banks. Right. But small businesses should be able to get take advantage of that, too, and, and have that be an automated sweep where... Uh, you know, you're, you're getting your excess cash pulled out, you're earning 2% on it, it's coming back when you need it, and that's bank agnostic. You don't have to switch banks to get that. So we're launching this bank agnostic cash optimization tool in a few, a few weeks. And from there, we're going to move into AP and optimizing uh, cash flows around those types of things. It sounds like you're, I mean, I think there's this thing, right, that kind of happens when when all the venture capital is in kind of one specific geographic area or a yeah. few different geographic areas where you see the problems that are in front of your face and maybe those problems aren't, you know, the ramen shop down the street. Those yeah. problems are, you know, why, why is the vision fund taking this or that or whatever? And you kind of, you get so close to it that you maybe almost forget. Like, yeah, you listening to you talk about this, it's, I mean, the addressable market of small businesses in the U S that need help with cash management compared to like, you know, thinking <laughs> about how fast Brex has grown and things like that. I mean, it sounds yeah. like, you know, you, you crack a little bit of this nut and you potentially have a, a huge company that makes a big difference in the in the economy in a macro sense. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I don't, couldn't tell you the exact number of startups there are, the exact number of dollars that have gone into startups and what that size of that is, but I do know it's a tiny micro fraction of the number of small businesses in the country and the number of dollars that are floating around in the form of SBA loans mm -hmm. and private equity and yeah. all that stuff. Um, so, so yeah, you look at a company like Brex and they really have a solution that is totally killer for the customer base that they're serving. But that customer base is a relative to the broader small business economy is a yeah. very small portion of it. And, and we, we see opportunities to do some of those same types of um, dramatic improvements and financial tools for the, that bigger chunk. It sounds a lot like the CEO of a startup trying to manage their cap table, right? And like just yeah. the connection to like thinking about what Carta has done for the life of an investor or the life of a founder. Like, seems yeah. like there's a lot of overlap there. That's a really, really good example. There, there are not a lot of startup founders who, who got into it because they're like, the thing I want to arrive at is a really beautiful cap table. Mm. Um, Lots of spreadsheets. But it's an essential thing as a startup founder. You got to keep track of. You had to manage. You were probably paying lawyers to do a lot. And Carta really simplified and, and made that process efficient and cheap and easy. And cash management is the same. N nobody started their bakery because they they wanted to, you know, figure out the best unit economics on a pie. Uh, so we want to make that process simple, automated, and, and essentially do for cash management what Carta did for cap tables. I love it. Brian, you spend a lot of time um, just kind of like thinking about what the future of fintech is going to be, what the future of banking, I guess, is going to be, like call it whatever you want, finance, fintech, banking. Um, and I think you and I spend a lot of time talking about the B2C side, and you know that is where a lot of our work at MBKC happens. Honestly, you're kind of like, you're a little out of the ordinary in this whole world, Anthony. Hmm. Um, so what, what do you see as the future of that? From my perspective, like 
there's gotta be some more B to B, you know, small business focused fintechs in the next, you know, few years. Do you think that's a likely kind of wave that's going to get ridden, or what? What do you think is going to happen? I hope so. I think it's needed. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's real prevalent. I heard somebody talking yesterday about a CTO for hire. Companies share a CTO, and I hear a little bit about CFO for hire, mm-hmm. and what you're talking about. You know, uh, from just a broader yeah, perspective of those small business, I've worked with small businesses my whole banking career, and mm-hmm. and you're exactly right. They struggle, and a lot of times it's a it's a spouse that's doing the books <laughs> yeah. after their other job gets over. Yeah, and it's not maximizing money, and money is such an amazing thing because when you put it to work for you, it can do amazing things, yep. and when it works against you, it feels like a cement truck falling out of the sky on top of your head so <laughs> yeah I, I love the idea and I, I, I do I do hope there's a, a lot more of this stuff coming because I, I do think the need is broad I'm I was sitting here listening to you thinking about factoring companies are still yeah. Yeah. alive and well which is kind yeah. of amazing in today's world of yeah yeah I don't know at what point we'll look at getting into the AR side of things that's its own big animal um, I think we have plenty of value to add just helping you manage the cash you've already got in the door absolutely um, but but that AR space is ripe for for helping these businesses do better for themselves so devil's advocate wise will small businesses adopt like are small businesses looking for technology or are they paying attention to these things well, I mean, that was part of why we started doing this is we had these small business owners who were using us as a personal finance app reaching out to f- try and make it work for their small business. I think they're grasping. They're, they're using PFM apps and, and stuff that's not intended for small businesses. Some We talked to one uh, owner of a business that's doing like $25 million in revenue. It's a good-sized business. And he's having his personal wealth manager manage the cash for the business. What? Because he can get better rates on the cash and better tools and products for his cash that way. Uh, so I think I think small business owners recognize cash management's important, um, but it's it's a chore. It's a critical chore. And so they're they're grasping at solutions. So we're we're just trying to find the most efficient way to tell them what we're doing. That is wild. So talk talk to us a little bit about stage you're kind of you're in the accelerator talk to us about like what you know just all of that what is the next 90 days what's the next few years look like just in terms yeah. of the the stage of the company employee wise and raising and all that yeah well we, we're only a handful of employees and we're brand new to this pivot so we're only you know we're one month post official pivot where we got the product ready and we've got uh you know we've got a, a first batch of kind of beta testers small businesses using the card product and the cash product we've got a a healthy chunk of early signups, uh, tens of millions of dollars worth of, of funds on hand ready to put into that product. So we're excited about the start we have, but it's very early. So the next 90 days is a lot about uh, narrowing our focus on, on specific industries within SMB because it's such a big space and then figuring out the right channels and partnerships where it's going to be efficient for us to get our message out there. And, and I think channel partnerships is really key for us working with, um, you know, people who already have relationships with batches of SMBs and certain verticals and, and playing into that. Let's talk about that a little bit. I think that's something that um, something that we deal with a lot as a bank is just finding distribution channels, right? I mean, we have the mortgage department is doing a lot of different things, um, testing different things. This whole side of like distribution market fit seems to almost be like the next wave of, I think this is what Bo Fishback said the other day yeah. during a piece of programming. Right. 
Um, but you know, distribution market fit is like the next version of product market fit, something like that. So how are you thinking about that? I mean, it seems like, uh, you know, LinkedIn ads aren't going to be the thing that builds you a business, a billion dollar business. uh, Talking to some investors, you'd think it would be, (laughs) we're not running LinkedIn ads right now. And we, some people have really pushed back on why. And I, I, I'm not a, I'm a believer in LinkedIn ads. I'm not necessarily a believer in LinkedIn ads for our particular product at our particular stage, but, uh, but we, I mean, we have a lot to learn. I could be proven wrong. Um, you know, I think it's common. A lot of founders, you, you just, you, you, lo- you fall in love with your idea and your product and you think if I build it, they will come. Yeah. And distribution is, is a deeply underestimated thing. My background, I was, I've been a product manager and marketing director for most of my career. I, you know, more in the healthcare space than in, in finance, but, um, it's the same thing. Just because you have a great product doesn't mean doctors are going to prescribe it. Doesn't mean that patients are going to use it. Doesn't mean that customers are going to use it. And so, uh, um, distribution is great. I mean, what, what Bo said, if I can quote him without his permission, I mean, he, he said he'd, he'd rather almost invest at this point in a company that's got a great distribution plan and hasn't figured out its product um, and has distribution market fit than uh, a company that's got product market fit and no distribution plan. So um, that that's why over the next 90 days and, and even longer uh, channel partnerships and figuring that out is our number one priority. I saw you perk up a little bit at, what the, at that quote. What, how does that resonate with you? Just the idea of like, we'll figure out the product, but we already got the distribution channel. It just surprised me. I've never heard anybody say that before. Does, does it resonate at all though? I mean, it's, it is, from my point of view, I mean, it's, you know, in the probably, I don't know, we've talked to 200 something startups now, have relationships with 20 or I don't know, 15 to 20 in some way, shape or form. And I think consistently the thing that we see is like, that's a cool product. How the fuck are you going to get it in people's hands? Like that is a, that is the hard part, right? Well, a, have you seen Bo lately? Like I'm going to disagree with him. (laughs) (laughs) We're, we are referring to like a six foot eight, uh, CEO of a local company called Zarly. Um, wonderful, wonderful human. And yeah, I tend to agree with, and yeah, large. And most things he says are number one, smart. And number two is, yeah, I'm not, I'm scared of him too. I'm with you. Well, you, if you look at Brex, I mean, they, they no doubt have a cool product and it it's great and product market fit obviously exists there and existed really quickly from the get-go. But they also had just an absolutely killer distribution market fit. Being NYC helped. Being a YC company and having a product that was tailor-made for YC companies, they get, you know, whatever, 180 new potential customers every year. Right. Um, and now they sponsor every single accelerator you can imagine. Uh, their billboards are all over at any kind of pitch event. And it's a phenomenal distribution market fit for them that I think is probably more responsible for their success than the product market fit element. So that, that's what's, I think, the, um, really the key to the scale. And it's kind of a weird thing, though, too, right? Because, I mean, from, if you're just sitting here listening, listening to what you're kind of building – from my point of view, you know, going and uh, ha- having some relationship with SBA, right? And yeah. then being able to say, I get to send an email to, you know, all SBA members. Yeah. Like, does, but does that really move the needle? You know, it's like the, the distribution channel aligned, but will it get opens? And like, how does it perform? It's just like, it's a yeah, slippery I mean, slope of fascinating things. You got it, it, it. No one thing is it. I mean, great, great distribution channel is great, but you do have to have product market fit. Those two things reinforce each other and, mm-hmm. and you got to nail that down. Um, but yeah, if I could send an email to every company in SBA's database, uh, I, I could scale very quickly, even with really shitty open rates. So yeah, let's That's make fair. that happen. Let's, okay, we'll, we'll work on that. We'll add that to our OKRs. Um, so just being conscientious of time here, 
if you have anything, Brian, please jump in. But I'm kind of curious what comes to mind for you in terms of, you know, we have diverse group of listeners here. We have some bankers, a lot of fintech nerds, a uh, good number of investors. What are kind of the things that you're focused on or the things that like, you know, the listener base can number one, help you figure out maybe uh, number two intros, you know, how, how can the listener base kind of help you kind of make some steps forward? Oh man, that's a great question. Uh, you know, we, we want to talk to as many small business operators as we can. I mean, we truly can't do enough interviews with people running businesses. There are so many industries and verticals that we need we need to understand to figure out the right mm -hmm. targeting to do that. Yeah. If you're a small business owner or you you know some, you know, hit us up. I'm, I'm at Anthony Strike at, on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, would love to hear from you and, and talk to you just about how you use your, your how you do cash management for your business. Um, Customer more important than investor was the correct answer. Yeah. You nailed that one. You nailed that one. Brian, anything from your end before we wrap up? I was just going to ask, have you thought about the business model of maybe living inside of a, a core or even a light core that then would get offered out to all of those, you know, if I serve or FIS or somebody, Jack Henry, they've got all these banks. So you're yeah maybe living inside one versus going out directly to b2b yeah i mean really i do view us kind of as treasury management light um hmm. and it, that could that's something that could definitely be a play to go to small community banks and say you've got you've got a lot of small business customers why not give them a, a kind of a scaled down treasury management service that gives them the actual tools they need and will give them you know the attention they need and that they wouldn't get from a big bank uh, that's a distribution channel that would be great for us once we've got the product fully built out. I'm just thinking about the, the scale of small business with banks. It's hard to get much profit squeezed out of truly small businesses. As yeah. you think about if somebody's got a $100,000 line of credit and they use it, half of it, you know, occasionally. <laughs> so $50,000 average balance and you're charging them 5%, that's <laughs> 2500 bucks a year. Yeah. yeah in interest, uh, you know, before even cost of funds or anything. So right. you either have to have a lot of that stuff or a lot of banks just choose not to do it. So yeah. I, I love listening to you talk because as you start getting some efficiencies introduced, you maybe can start to make that work and yeah. you know, have a decent sized portfolio and have it be more profitable. And so I don't know, something to think about. And Thanks. maybe rev share opportunity kind of thing exactly. with the bank. And, yeah. yeah, It's a true value add for a small business that they – yeah. Otherwise, normally wouldn't ever get. Love it. I yeah. think we should just turn these podcasts into office hours. Sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, okay, so one final, who are you, where can they find you, and uh, best way to find Steady Pay online? Uh, yeah, so uh, Anthony Strike at Anthony Strike on Twitter, uh, at Steady Pay on Twitter, Steady with an I. Um, basically all the same on LinkedIn and Facebook as well. So hit us up on any of those channels um, uh, and, of course, uh, steadypay.com. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you, you, San Jose, for letting me stalk yeah. a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of For Fintech's Sake. If you want to learn more about SteadyPay or the cohort at Fountain City Fintech, we'd love to have you at Demo Day on October 15th. Just search Fountain City Fintech Demo Day on the Google machine. It'll be the first thing to pop up. If you're not in Kansas City and you're feeling a little bit of FOMO, feel free to reach out. I'm at Zach.Pettit and MBKC.com on email, at Zach Pettit on Twitter. Love to have a conversation. Happy to introduce you to Anthony, to Brian, whoever it is that you're looking to have a conversation with. Otherwise, if you're heading to Vegas for Money 2020, 
give me a holler. We're going to have some fun down there. Anthony, myself, and the whole Fountain City FinTech cohort will be down in Vegas. We'd love to connect. Uh, the MBKC Bank team will be there as well. So until next time, enjoy this wonderful world of FinTech, this festival of FinTech that we live in, and you'll hear from me soon.